Hey, you're listening to The Treehouse Storyteller. Meet me in the treehouse for God-shaped storytelling. Treehouse Storyteller is where we can come together as messy parents seeking Jesus together and raising kids to love him too. If you aren't scared of addressing cultural issues head on and finding a deeper understanding of the biblical worldview to share with your children, then you've come to the right place. I'm not afraid to be transparent and tell all of the juicy details. Our children are being chased by the world and it is our job to be well-equipped and know not only how to lead our flock, but successfully send our arrows out into the world one day to build the kingdom. So snuggle up by the fire or soak up the sunshine with those earbuds in and meet me in the treehouse for some biblical storytelling. So today we have an awesome guest, my friend, Rebecca Bershwinger. Rebecca's mission and passion is to empower and encourage believers to know not just what they believe, but why they believe and to stand firm in God's transcendent truths. We need that, guys. Along with hosting her podcast, One Little Candle, she has had the privilege of teaching Christian worldview classes to high schoolers, along with creating and teaching Bible studies to the male and female inmates at her local county jail. She has served as a crisis pregnancy counselor for the Alpha Pregnancy Center and most recently as a discipleship coach for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Along with studying systemic theology for her certificate in Christian apologetics, Rebecca enjoys her role as a wife, mom of four, and Nana to seven precious grandchildren. In addition to spending time with her family, Rebecca also enjoys reading, writing, camping, and gardening. She is my kind of lady. So without further ado, welcome to the Treehouse Storyteller, my friend Rebecca. Hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. Absolutely. And I, I, it's pretty crazy. I know we talked about this a couple of weeks back. Uh, I don't think there is a coincidence in the day that we ended up being able to schedule this together. So first and foremost, today is the day the Lord has made. Okay. So we are going mm. to rejoice and be glad in it. Today is June 1st. There's a thunderstorm roaring in the background on my side of things. I don't know if you'll hear that or not coming through. Um, but meanwhile, today, much of today's culture, uh, marketing, businesses, storefronts are revving up to push into Pride Month. So Pride Month has been around officially since 1999, thanks to President Bill Clinton giving this month as an anniversary of the Stonewall riots back in 1969. Um, so Rebecca, you've become passionate about speaking on this topic as a believer. And I'd love to explore the biblical worldview with you and how we as Christians should be responding to this all year round, but especially in June. So I, I just, oh, go ahead. No, that's okay. I wasn't sure if you were done talking. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I I am done. I want to hear from you on this. Well, yes, this is probably, I like, I like how you say that. This is the day the Lord has made. This is the month the Lord has made, right? Mm -hmm. No matter what's being celebrated that this shouldn't be, um, it's still God's, it's God's world. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but <clears throat> so, yeah, I really, I'd say this is definitely a passion for me because I have seen so many, especially young people, succumb to LGBTQ, whether it be transgender, um, homosexuality, and I'm just seeing the devastating effects it really is having on people and families, and of course, our society and the church. <laughs> mm, yes. And so, yes, this is a really sensitive unfortunately, even within the church, hot button topic that you and I are discussing today. Um, it comes with a lot of controversy, but for me, I think before we go any further, I'd like to make myself clear on some things. I always do this when I talk to talk about these issues. And that is that um, because our words are always getting twisted yeah. <laughs> by people who, who don't agree with us, the scriptures are being twisted. Our words are being twisted whenever we speak God's truth on any topic. And so, of course, we realize that same-sex desires, um, 
struggles with gender, these are real struggles. They are struggles that are experienced by real people. And they are people who, like you and I, Hannah, are created in the image of God. So that right there should cause us to to have love, to have compassion for people who do not share our beliefs. Um, Because there's a huge difference between having love and compassion for a person and embracing maybe the person's actions or choices. And it seems as though our world really has a hard time differentiating, um, separating between the two. Wouldn't you think? Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's, you know, we're kind of classified as haters because we don't like the lifestyle or don't like the sin. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, it's not the case. I always equate uh, or not necessarily equate, but compare um, a homosexual lifestyle or anything in the LGBTQ umbrella um, as very similar to the way that we would interact with someone with uh, struggling with alcoholism. Um, You know, if someone is an alcoholic, we are still going to love them. We are going to come alongside of them, uh, but we're not going to take them to a bar. We're not going to, you know, hand them a jug of whiskey or whatever it may be. We're not going to encourage that that is who they are because we know there's something bigger and better. um, And we know that they're, they're being held back by the chains of their sin and they need to be breaking free of that. And so that's the way that I always see, you know, dealing with friends or family or, you know, whoever it may be stranger in that, that realm is that they are, have been overtaken by a a sinful lifestyle and we need to come alongside them and help them break free. Um, So it's just, it's, it's, you brought up compassion and we absolutely need compassion um, and understanding, not focusing on it, not meditating on these things, but having an understanding of what they're going through and an understanding of what they're thinking and what they're trapped inside of is, is really something that has given me compassion. Um, the more that I've, I've really come to understand um, what they're dealing with. Absolutely. Because they are people. I think we, we tend to focus on maybe the, the, the cause or the ideology, but we forget about the actual person that we're, that we're dealing with. And that's, that's sad. And, and as you said, hater, you, you, it's funny you brought that word up because that was kind of going to be my next (laughs) thing was that, you know, let's get the hater label out of the way. Um, You and I know that we don't, we're not haters. We we don't hate. And of course we know it's a false misapplied label. And if you think about what hate means, and I always like going to dictionary definitions of things to kind of mm-hmm. help us along the way. And the dictionary says it, when you, when you Google or look up the word hate, it says that um, you, you don't like the person you don't want anything to do with them. You don't want what's best for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you may even wish harm <laughs> on them. Um, you want nothing to do with them. You know, hate is an intense dislike for someone. So although we may have an intense dislike for sin, and we should first have that dislike with the sin within ourselves, that, that, that's first and foremost, because yeah. Christ had to die for us all whether you're heterosexual, whether you're homosexual, transgender, Christ had to die equally for us. So that's, that's always so important is of, of course be concerned and hate our own sin, but of, of course, hating sin that is doing harm to others as well. That's part of loving people. That is not part of hating them. Um, even it may not be what they want to hear and they, their feelings don't, you know, aren't the same as yours, um, or their beliefs, but it really is that that hate is really love <laughs> um, yeah. that they that they call hate. So, you know, uh, yeah. But yeah. Um, so, yes, rainbows, right? Rainbows are everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're seeing them everywhere. Um, and so what I want to do for people as we work our way through this this episode is to leave them 
with a good feeling when they see the rainbow. And so, yeah, I think right. We'll kind of together work our, work our way to that. Okay. So we are seeing in stores everywhere and we have been, it's like pride month started. It's kind of like Christmas where you start seeing Christmas trees in what, like September. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Oh, okay. Well, all right. I guess that's early, but whatever. It's just it. And that's how I feel like Pride Month has become is where we've we've been dealing with a lot of hot button topics, a lot of headlines with Bud Light, Nike. Uh, I think Adidas got in there too. Target. I mean, <clears throat> now Chick-fil-A and their ESG stuff. I mean, just totally uh, swarmed with headlines uh, in the month of May. And we were all like, wait a minute, it's not even Pride Month. What is coming? You know, like this is going to get really severe. Um, and I think, you know, I always want to address things from a parenting standpoint. And like you and I were talking the other day, anything that we are, you know, really working through with our children uh, can really easily be applied just to the concept of discipleship. Because when we're teaching our kids something and we're helping them to understand something, that is the same as holding a brother, sister's hand, uh, brother, sister in Christ's hand, and walking them closer to Jesus. And so, I that's what I really, you know, want to be able to do today with you is just walk people closer with that compassion of, you know, this is why this isn't biblical, but this is why we can still love our neighbors uh, and their their differing beliefs and their differing way of life. And how we can, you know, help our kids understand why this isn't where we stand and that we are going to take a bold stance against this. Um, and we're not going to accept the behavior, not going to accept the sin, um, but that we're still going to, you know, hold our hand and walk through this together. Um, and I, you have done, I, I have to bring up your books that you have done. You have incredible ebooks that I have read, um, you know, I, as a children's illustrator and author myself, I look at books a lot. I see books. I know what's on the market. You can Google LS, um, LGBTQ uh, books for kids, and it is just hundreds, hundreds and hundreds. And when you uh, Google books about the rainbow, you get everything except for biblical worldview of the rainbow. And like you just you just stated, you wanted to claim and create a healthy image of what the rainbow means. And you and I are just kindred spirits in that way because you know that I've been working on a project as well to, you know, really reclaim the rainbow. And I I love that you are also in that same space and that you are working on that as well because. I think there needs to be thousands. I think there needs to be thousands of people that are speaking truth and speaking out in love, but claiming God's truth. So I'd love for you to, you know, just kind of give our listeners just a chance to hear about your projects and your eBooks and kind of your heart behind them. So I, I just want you to take, take it away with those. So yes, I have written a handful of ebooks and because as you have been saying, everything out there is geared towards well, it's all non-biblical, okay? So I thought and I know there was a time in my life when I had kids that we really struggled financially when my kids were young and even affording a book was kind of out of wasn't an option and I thought I want to just do these books and put them online, make them free for anyone who wants them. And so that's what I did. I, um, I have books that focus on, of course, God's design for marriage. I have books that um, talk about gender, God's permanently fixed design for gender. And I have another book that just came out recently, a book about Israel, introducing children to Israel from the Christian standpoint. And a book about um, the kind of a anti-critical race theory book about how how God wants us to see others. And I'm in the process of doing a, a just a little book called actually it's called Rainbows Are Everywhere. And um, 
going to be a biblical perspective on God's rainbow. So yes, um, it's, you can find them at lovin, L-O-V-I-N, truthbooks.com. And again, like I said, they're free. <laughs> they're free. And that's that's what I love about it. That's incredible, Rebecca. I love that your that is your heart. And I love the history behind that. I think that that's so true that books can be expensive. And I think a lot of people don't want to just overbuy books. Um, and I think it's awesome that you've made it really just a ministry for people to be able to access uh, these things. Um, and, and they're books to read. Don't just, you know, you don't, these aren't books that you give to your children to read. These are books that you read with your child. And I've also included links to resources in there. I have a word for parents to, you know, further empower and encourage them. And I also have links for further resources for them to study up on these things themselves. Um, because I'm always saying, get to your child first, because it's easier, I believe, it's easier to instill that foundation to begin with than to have to try to undo something that someone else, a foundation someone else has given them, built for them. So that's so yeah, true. We need to get to our kids first. That's so true. And speaking about, you said you have a word for parents in there. I love the afterwards in your books because it, they provide parents with biblical understanding, tangible guidance on how to further address conversations and discussions with our kids and teaching them that biblical truth. I just, I really, really love those. I am so excited for the other ones to come out. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of one of those funny things. I think I've told you before, I usually as a parent don't have the time or care to read all the afterwards or whatever. You're like, let's get to bed or, you know, (laughs) whenever you're reading it and but yours it was just oh my word I I like was so just overtaken by it and I I had to read it so I just I loved it oh thank you so much Um, that does my heart good and it really does yeah absolutely okay so I did a little digging and we have like 79 plus scriptures speaking about marriage Um, I don't know if you have like a different statistic or count on that, Um, but they're all defining marriage as one man, one woman. We obviously have the creation story. God clearly made, you know, one man, one woman, um, Adam and Eve. And then we've got like 30 plus verses that are essentially speaking out against either homosexuality, although that word was not really introduced into modern biblical um, formats or versions until, gosh, I don't remember the year, but I think it was about 100 years ago. That word didn't really um, exist in in the Bible. So I don't think it's found in the New King James or the King James, um, but it's found in some of your later versions. But I mean, it's very clear um, that God's saying, you know, a man shouldn't lie with uh, with another man like he would lie with a woman. I mean, it's a very clear picture, but it's also something that's debated and it and it's something that's debated in the church. And when I look at our Bible, when I look at these verses, you know, I had I had a conversation with a fellow believer fairly recently and um, you know, she was kind of in the argument of, you know, that we are like really modernly like you know the word for homosexuality wasn't there and so it could mean something else and you know just kind of picking apart and weighing it back and forth a little bit and the lord just made it so clear to me it's like okay i can't i can't really go back in time and tell you exactly in hebrew or greek or like i can't define that but what i can see is how absolutely clear he's that god said marriage should be and i think sometimes us as believers just twist our minds into a circle of like the what if thing instead of just seeing what we do know something my mama's mom always has told me is like well what do we know and then go from there and so we do know that marriage was defined as one man and one woman and that's just very very clear so what what other scriptures, what do you uh, 
you know, just biblically, where is your backing found? Like, what are you, and you don't have to give like a specific verse off the top of your head, but if you have one, that would be amazing. But just, you know, when you're kind of in that conversation and debating the apologetics of that, um, I feel like that's something our kids need to see tangibly is, okay, mom and dad, like, okay, that's great. But how do you know that that's true? How do you know that, um, you know, that really that is what God wants? And, you know, the times are different and the culture's different. Um, you know, what what would you respond to in that kind of questioning from from our kids? Those, those are really, really excellent questions. Um, because, well, first of all, let me get the part about, you know, the times, <laughs> right? The times are different. People will say that this is a, a different age, a different, different culture, whatever. But the, the thing is, is God got it right the first time. Okay. Yeah. Several thousand years ago, he had everything set just the way he wanted it. And yeah. right from the book, the get go in Genesis, God created the male and female, a man shall leave his parents and cling to his wife. Okay. Um, he hit that off right in the very beginning. Um, and God does not change. He has not changed. These are transcendent through all time biblical mandates. Um, and I know many people will, of course, at this point, try to trash the Old Testament, especially the book of Leviticus, that is very clear about men not laying with men and doing what's unnatural, nor should they be laying with animals. <laughs> you know, we have many laws um, brought up. And of course, they want to nullify the Old Testament. Um, because, well, you eat shrimp, you eat pork, you know, that that argument, that's a very old one. But but if anyone really, again, truly reads the Bible, you see where in the Old Testament there were certain customs and rituals made for that time that separated them from the pagans, um, from the people, and they were food and dietary laws, most of them, uh, purification laws, things like that. And a good rule of thumb, which I totally agree with, is the fact that if it's, you know, what stays true from the Old Testament is, in fact, also reiterated in the New Testament. You know, we know the dietary yep. and the food laws have been done away with. We, we know that in the New Testament. Um, you know, so they might say, well, well, you know, you're hypocritical because you eat shellfish. And yet the Bible says back in, you know, you can't eat shellfish as long as along with a male shall not lay with a male. But again, um, <laughs> you know, we also, but, but yet, well, you hold to, you know, and probably a good comeback, so to speak, would be, well, don't you also hold to do not murder? Um, that's yeah. in the Old Testament too. So, so what, is that somehow nullified? You know, you, you believe that, you've, you've picked that one to still believe. So, yeah. you know, I, I guess you could say everyone's cherry picking, as they call it at that point. But yeah. um, I really feel like the, the best verses are the ones from Genesis. Because it doesn't need a long, eloquent explanation. God created them male and female, <laughs> you know, male and female. Mm -hmm. He created them a man for this reason. A man shall leave his parents and cling yeah. to his wife. Right there that and even people say Jesus didn't mention homosexuality in you know the Bible. He didn't talk about it. Well, when he was asked about marriage, he pointed them right back to Genesis. God created them male and female. So he didn't need to use the word. He didn't need to get into detail about it. You know, um he he made it very clear by pointing people back to to Genesis. Um but as far as New Testament scriptures, um, for me, Romans 1 speaks volumes. Yeah. Um, because I firmly believe we are, in fact, living in a Romans 1 world right now more than ever. And that this, this big sexual revolution, especially in regard to homosexuality, is, you know, this, this is what we collectively, not all of us, but as a collective society has asked for, you know, they want freedom to do whatever they want sexually. They don't want those boundaries, those boundaries that God put before us to say, don't hurt yourselves. 
knowing yeah. that we don't know how to keep with them. We, it would never be enough, but these are good sexual, healthy sexual boundaries God set, even though we may not agree with them. God knows best. He's our creator. But um, Romans 1 to me always says a lot, you know, talking about people burning with lust for, for how's that go now? Um, things that are not natural. Yeah. You yeah. know, doing what is not natural. So that's a, that's a big one for me. I mean, you would only need to have it mentioned once in there for me. Right. To know, well, this is what God said. Yeah. Plain and simple. You know, God yeah. is a God of order. Mm-hmm. And that goes with family, how he ordered family, how he ordered marriage, our genders. He is a God of order. This we are living in now. This is chaos. Yeah. This is chaos. People don't know. Kids don't know which what end is up. Um, I was just talking to my cousin the other day who has a child. He's 12 and she's got another daughter in senior high school. And 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 I hear I've heard this from other high schoolers too. like transgenderism is all the rage in school. There aren't necessarily kids struggling. And there are all kids who are saying they are actually afraid to say that they are heterosexual. Wow. Um, they're trying to fit in. And right now the way to fit in is to be transgender. Um, and, you know, she says her kids have homosexual friends as well. So, and sad story here is she shared with me, and you're talking 12 to 13 year olds, okay? Real tough age. Yeah, that's my son's age. There you go. And so there was a, she's um, a girl who now wants to be, says she's a boy. So she has changed her gender pronouns. She has changed her name. Now, mind you, all her classmates for up till now have known her as a girl, okay, and by her her girl name. And one of her classmates, they were just talking, and she accidentally said she instead of the he that the girl wants. And this young lady, you know, she ran out of the classroom all upset and offended because she was called she. And so the unfortunate 12-year-old that called her she got detention. Yeah. So we're wondering why our kids are anxious, suicidal, depressed. Um, This is why. We can't, you and I as parents, not being in a school every day, a public school, especially, I mean, it's just, unfortunately, it's happening in so-called Christian schools too, to an extent. That's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But they're going through these things and everything's upside down and top, topsy-turvy and chaos. And we wonder why they're feeling the way they're feeling. They're, there's no moral compass. Um, they have to live a lie to please other people or they get in trouble. So um, it's just, it's horrible. Hannah, it's horrible. It's terrifying. Um, Gosh, the things that we used to worry about to fit in. And I honestly was kind of a rebellious kid and I, I didn't really like, I didn't want to fit in anyways. I knew uh, I read a lot, all the Jesus freak books in high school and like, come on. Like I just, I had so much fire in me to just, uh, go against the grain back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, but it's you went, you went against the grain in a good way, right? In a, yes, in a, a godly way, Thank, a healthy way. <laughs> thankfully I did. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but there were friends mm-hmm. of mine that I just saw, you know, doing, you know, like drugs or partying or, you know, just the normal yeah. high school way to, to feel like you're cool. And mm-hmm. uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and this is just a whole, a whole new uh, sector off of that, and um, it's just crazy. So, four out of five kids. I always like giving some statistics because people don't believe what's really going on. But I feel like you can't argue numbers as easily. So, four out of five kids struggle with gender. This oh, sorry. Four out of five kids that struggle with gender dysphoria grow out of it. So that's really crazy to me that that's like, and that's a original statistic where I feel like maybe that's not necessarily true or what will become true out of kids right now, because we are living in a culture that is so affirming and that is saying, yes, Susie, you can be John. 
yes, John, you can be Susie and this is great. And you can be popular off of this and you can change all of your parts and you can have surgery and you can take hormones and, you know, do all of these extremely harmful things that have been banned in many other countries and that we are still you know, in the majority of the United States, I know there's a couple, uh, couple states, I think Indiana has kind of put a, it's my home state has put kind of a halt on, on uh, gender affirming care. Recently, Florida, obviously with DeSantis, uh, there's several other states that have kind of tried to chime in as well. Um, But the majority of our nation is giving affirming care. And the majority of our nation has uh, whether it's um, the the therapy or um, the school systems or parents that are ba- basically encouraging uh, this to move forward. So I, I it's kind of a beat the head moment. Like, okay, if four out of five just grow out of this, why are we affirming this so much? Um, and then the other the other thing is around 42,000 children and teens in the U.S. were diagnosed with gender dysphoria in 2021. And that has nearly tripled since the 2017 statistic. So it's just, it's incredible to me and mind, mind-boggling um, just the why behind all of this. And I think, I think you and I both know that there's, there's something bigger at play here. We mm-hmm. are up against you know, a spiritual attack, a spiritual war. This isn't about flesh, even though it is very much a flesh war. It's a war on our on flesh. It's a war on children's flesh and what makes them male or female and who they are. But really it comes to a spiritual battle because they don't know their identity in Christ. Amen. So for us parents, I think that is where that root teaching, like you said, you have to get to your kids first. We have to get to our kids first in helping them learn their identity in Christ. Yes. Um, yes. Because if you try to find it anywhere else, it's always going to be wrong. It's always the yeah. wrong, the wrong place. You know, again, going back to Romans one, you know, you're, you're talking about the, the way people, if they outgrow it, why are they affirming? Cause they're not, they're robbing them of the chance to outgrow it. But, you know, for me, in my opinion, it comes down to depravity, depraved thinking. We are in a society where there's depraved thinking. And I love how John MacArthur puts it in one of his sermons when he talks about depraved thinking. It's it's foolish thinking. It's useless thinking. It's thinking that is not rooted in reality. Because they've separated themselves from God, who is truth. So. Yeah. Their, their, their thinking is very much lost. It's unrealistic. It's futile. It's yeah. futile. Um, for, for someone like you and I and, and believers in Christ, we know we can see the insanity in it, but it's not for them. It's not insanity for them. You know, that's, that's very sad. And these are the people that are teaching our children and the psychologists that their parents are sending them to. You know, I know um, in our church, there was a young lady who began to struggle with feelings with her gender. She wasn't sure. She was open enough. She told her parents about it. They met with the pastor and the elders of the church, and they walked her in love through it. She's fine now. She's fine. Um, <laughs> you know, so. it's incredible. It's <laughs> it can happen. <laughs> it can happen. Absolutely. Um, but so many people are not given, given a chance. And, and, you know, honestly, I would suggest to people, this was, this was huge for me. This helped me a lot to read books written by former transgenders and Laura Perry and Walt Hayer yes. are two people. I would highly, highly recommend reading their book. Laura Perry lived as a man for years. Walt Hayer lived as a woman for years. And luckily Christ brought them out of this. But you know, when you read their stories, their humanity, um, you're reminded of their humanity and people that are suffering the same things, their humanity. It was, it was good for me. 
to, you know, it's not just an ideology. Um, these, this is humanity we're, we're dealing with and to really learn of some of their struggles, their internal struggles broke my heart. Yeah. Um, but, but as they said in the end, and so many, you know, former transgenders have said this, as far as you're talking the hormones and the sex reassignment surgery, the fast tracking for all this, the affirmation here, when they look back and they say, wow, like, I was sick. I needed help. I had a mental issue. And by the way, I'm, I think it was from Walt Hare that, that gave the statistic that, oh my gosh, like 90, almost, almost nearly 100% of people that struggle, that truly struggle with it have been, have had some sort of life trauma, almost all of them abuse, almost all of those sexual, um, some sort of sexual trauma. And so they're, of course, they're trying to escape what they, you know, into something else. But um, that was an eye opener for me, too. But as the former transgenders are saying, I was sick. I wasn't able to make a sound decision. Yeah. I needed help. And they, I didn't get the help I needed mentally yeah. in yeah. order to help with my struggles. So that's just a tragedy. Yeah, it is. Uh, Walt, oh man, he's... Becoming a friend of mine, I've been able to talk to him a couple times, and um, he's actually going to endorse my next book, which mm-hmm. is amazing. He's incredible, um, and he's in the uh, transgender movie that's coming out um, through Epoch Times, I think it is. Um, I'm excited to see that, and I think it's going to be just a very revolutionary movie that's going to show a lot Mm-hmm. of the behind the scenes stories that you're not hearing because mainstream isn't isn't pushing this like no one else is pushing what this is going to disclose um and so yeah, really, actually they're being people that are speaking out are being bullied and threatened mm-hmm. or speaking out unfortunately mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah. so kind of going back so for us as christians and from the light of being parents, um, how do we, I mean, this is kind of always the question I feel like, how do we help? How do we help in this? And I think that the obvious thing that's maybe easy for you and I, not easy for everyone, but easy for you and I is to speak boldly about this and to speak the truth and to speak out. But I think the church as a whole needs to be speaking this and speaking out. I think the church has a a big responsibility in today's culture. And obviously we're seeing with the progressive church, they're just embracing it. And then we're seeing with a lot of other churches that really they're, they're not progressive, but they are, they're letting culture quiet their mouth. Um, And they are not speaking things from the pulpit. Um, No, we had to, unfortunately leave a church for that reason um and it's hard to try and fight that battle of you know proving to a church and proving to pastors like you've got to take a stand on this stuff Mm -hmm. people need to hear you and so i just i want to speak to listeners to just really be careful of what church you're going to and be really intentional of where you're going, that you're in a place that's being bold and speaking out and just really so rooted in the truth that this stuff can't touch us, that we have to be, you know, I always use my gardening analogies. Uh, I love that you garden too. I'm a terrible gardener. Like I really (laughs) will admit to being a terrible gardener, but one of the reasons I love it so, so, so much is that I see all of the, all of the biblical, uh, uh, parables, like all of the stories just come to life when my hands are in the dirt. And I'm like, oh, this is what it means. Like, it's just, it all makes sense. So I, I yes. love, I love having to cultivate things and having to wait, and having seasons where there's fruit and, you know, all the things. And it just, it teaches you so much about your spiritual walk. And, um, but anyway, so we have to really dig our roots down deep into God's fertile truth known as his word and really walk that with him. And the church has to be doing that. And if the church that we're attending is not 
talking about these issues and not speaking out and they're too scared. Oh my word. Like we are not called to be scared. We're called to be not timid. We're called to be bold. We're called to put on the armor of God and to walk that out. And man, it's just, that's a, that's a scary place to being led by a coward. Right. Yes. Really, really, yes. really scary. And I, I did what you, I left the church for that very same reason. Um, the pastor didn't seem to, to get it. And so I said, well, it's time to look for another church. And I did find one. And um, I found a pastor who was exactly as you were describing. And I just became a member there in December, but we got news last week. He's leaving. Oh, I'm heartbroken. Oh. I'm heartbroken. Um, he is a wonderful pastor and I, and I know God, God will take care of us. Yes. It's no surprise to him. It's God's will, but I got to tell you, I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm struggling with it. Um, but yeah, it's, you're right. And there's such division in the church and you know, there's not division because the scriptures are ambiguous, right? Because mm -hmm. they're somehow not clear or they're wrong. That's not why there's division. There's division because like you said, people are fearful. Or people, people don't know why they believe what they believe. Yes. Apologetics yes. is lacking within the churches for sure. Um, and so, yeah, people, it's, people find it easier to just back off and um, hope for the best. <laughs> and that's, that's not the road to take as a Christian, yeah. especially when so many lives are at stake, young people's lives, especially. Um, it's just not a stance to take. I understand it's scary. I don't want to be maligned. I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want to have a false label on me, truth be told. Neither do you. Mm -hmm. It's certainly not fun, but look at what our Savior went through. Yeah. Right? I mean, to yeah. me, I make fun of the labels, kind of. You know, you're a hater. Well, you know what? You're right. I am a hater. I hate the effects of sin. I hate to see what it does to people. Yeah. I hate the thought of, um, you know, someone spending an eternity in hell. I hate the thought of families being ripped apart or, or whatever. I, I, yeah, I hate, absolutely. you know, I hate my sin. I hate sin that affects others. Well, you know, you're, you're narrow-minded. Yes, I am narrow-minded because the Bible says narrow is the way, mm -hmm. right? Narrow mm -hmm. is the way. Wide is the road. Yeah. Um, that's where the majority of people are going, but the, to the to heaven, Jesus, narrow is the road. We are focused on that narrow road. God mm -hmm. made it narrow for a reason. Yeah. And if you're, I'm a homophobe, okay, you know, homophobia is fear of homosexuality. I do fear the effects of homosexuality. Mm -hmm. You're right. I do fear it. I fear, mm -hmm. again, what it's doing to you. I fear what it's doing to to people, to children, to, you know, I fear the effects of sin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. I love that perspective. I love that. <laughs> so did you did you deal with any of these things when raising your kids? No. My so my youngest is 21. Uh my oldest is 34, I think. <laughs> so I've got a total okay. of four. But it wasn't really and they never attended public school. Um, it was a combination of homeschool and private school. Okay. So we did not. Now, my grandkids, however, are dealing with this right now. All my grandchildren are in public school. And so they're dealing with a lot right now. So I'm, I'm not out of the woods where that's concerned. I really wow. have a lot of concerns for my grandchildren. I try to speak the truth and share it with them when I can, where I can and, and how I can. Yeah. And pray that, you know, Pray to God. I don't pray enough, honestly. I'm convicted as I'm talking to you about this. I need to be praying more for them than I do really hard. Um, and for my kids as parents, you know, I, I've, I have seen it. You know, I my niece married a girl this summer and I have a close friend who's, you know, we had a family friend who is transgender and my son's best friend is is homosexual you know what I mean? So we, we have it everywhere. I have another family member, same thing, you know, um, good friend. And most of these people, I have friends who claim the name of Christ and their children are engaged in homosexual lifestyle. I've, I've seen it. I witness it and I've talked to the parents and I, I see the hurt, you know, and you have different reactions from parents. Unfortunately, my, my family member 
They were very upset when they found out their daughter was seeing another girl, but they sought out people that would make them feel better about their daughter's decision. Right. Um, they went to the wrong people looking oh. just for comfort. I get it. You want your kids to be happy. She says she's happy, but happiness at what expense? You know, we're, we're happy in our sin a lot. Now, the Bible says that, you know, men love the darkness, right? Instead of the light. Yeah. Um, sin does make the flesh happy. It gratifies the flesh. Yeah. But this life is short and it's temporary. And so they ended up fully supporting her, um, you know, wedding and all. And they, they, I say, took the easy way out. They completely changed their minds on it. And my husband and I did not go to the wedding. Of course, we chose not to, um, nor did my sons. And my, so our family member is not happy with us, hasn't really spoken to us much since then. Um, I'm sorry about that. I love them. I love their daughter and their, their daughter's wife. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, um, we see them at family parties I and chit chat with them and whatever. But um, I couldn't take part in that in that wedding. Unfortunately, my daughters did. My daughters went. Yeah, but you keep even with them grown, you kept your influence there. And I think that's important, too. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people just go, oh, they're 18. <laughs> like nah but their brain hasn't stopped developing yet so mm-hmm. let's just keep going yeah and there's yeah. there's just so much i mean we are we're called to mentor each other and um i don't think that stops that doesn't stop when you hit a certain age you keep that going absolutely so, absolutely thankful, yeah. thankful to you for doing that mm-hmm. um wow so i had a lot of thoughts while you were talking but um i just uh you know it's we can't like going back to where we very first started, we can love them without supporting the marriage. Like we can, we can love them still as people, uh, as family. Um, but we can take a stand and say, no, I don't agree with what you're doing. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. And the world is wanting to tell us that because our view is different than the way the culture is going, that we're the ones that don't have freedom in that. But until we lose this free nation, we are living under, you know, the laws and the the freedoms that that Christ has given us and that we are able to speak out in that and we are able to still live that out. And I think it's it's easy to feel like we don't have a voice, but we do. And we have a voice through our actions, Mm -hmm. Uh, even when we can't speak the right things, our actions can show our belief system uh very clearly so absolutely start in our own homes we start in our own homes yes that's i have a sign i have a sign on my wall downstairs i think i got it at hobby lobby or something and it says uh i think it says the most important work that you will do is in the inside of the walls of your home and Love I that. have that there because as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I need that reminder every day because I get, I'm such a dreamer when I get wrapped up in a lot of things that is pushing. I mean, it, this podcast included, you know, I can focus on this and miss something going on with my kids. And so I have to keep reminding myself um, of how much I have to prioritize what's going on in my home first. And Absolutely. that means my kids' hearts, that means my marriage, um, and, uh, you know, really raising them up as best in my ability that I can with, obviously, the Lord's help more than mine. And if I'm using my help the most, it fails. But <laughs> every time, right? <laughs> you know, I, I think in all of this, especially as we, again, circle back to the beginning a little bit, Gay Pride Month. We need to teach our children the beauty and the necessity of humility mm. um, because pride, right? Right. Nestled the, the rainbows nestled right there with pride. Yeah. And pride. Um, there's a good pride and there's a bad pride. The Bible talks about pride. And I always think about Paul when he talked to the Corinthian church. Um. He told them how in Second Corinthians 7, 4, he told them how proud he was of them. It's okay to take pride in 
in an accomplishment that you've done. Um, always giving thanks to God for it because you couldn't have done it without him. But it's okay to take pride in your children's accomplishments, mm-hmm. you know, in, in certain things. But that the but the pride that the world is gravitating to right now is the kind of pride that puts a divider between us and God. That's why God hates it so much if you think about it, right? Yeah. Um this pride is it's um self-serving. It's a self-righteous and it's a proud, haughty, arrogant kind of pride. This is what the gay pride is. It, it's pride in like you said earlier, wrong identity. It's pride in their sexual orientation, their identity. Um, Our sexual orientation has nothing to do with our identity. It's nothing we should take pride in, whether you're heterosexual or you call yourself homosexual. Um, You know, but it's, um, that's the kind of pride that God hates. And there are Bible verses about it over and over and over again. Um, The fear of the Lord, Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech. I hate. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 16, 5, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Um. You know, so there's there's just so um, Psalm ten four. Um, I'm trying to think of what that one was there. Um, I have it in the pride of his face. The wicked does not seek him, and all his thoughts are there is no God. So there's many verses about pride. So you know, even to broach the conversation with our children about what they're seeing and hearing, talk to them about pride. You know, yeah. instill that so when they see things. They, they they will think about it from a biblical sense and view it through God's eyes, um, sinful pride and harmful pride, or uh, uh, you know, an, an okay, acceptable pride, right? Sure, sure. I like that last verse of how it kind of like showed that equation to godless, godlessness, and I feel like that is what we are facing in our nation today is a godlessness. And we are we are leaving any sort of Christian biblical morale or mor- morality outlook to to a godless culture, and it's just it's it's a uh, it's really really sad. But we have to um, we have to see hope, and we have to be encouraged that God. This isn't the picture that God has, right? This isn't. God's plan. This isn't uh, God's creation. This isn't um, what is edifying and glorifying to Him. And we have to just keep pushing into those things and what is, because we can get really dim or, or glim and dimsel and just, you know, all the darkness coming mm-hmm. at us. But we have to stand firm and seeing His light. And we have to be the light in the, in the midst of all of this darkness and chaos. And and like we've said that it is chaos and confusion right now. And we have the order. We have God's order. And so we can be that. I feel like we have such a beautiful mission as Christians right now. If we like really, really see that and go, whoa, like I can be like the instruction manual or like I can be the straight Legos in a line. I can show the order. And I think that would be like kind of a fun way to show show younger kids and mine still all love Legos. It's like, this is Legos that are like in order. And this is a bunch of Legos that like don't fit together and they're not balanced and they're falling over and they're, it's chaos. And that is what God gave us. God gave us the order and not the chaos. The chaos comes from the enemy. Um, and there's, I don't know, that's where I have to constantly bring myself back to because it is scary when you start seeing all of these headlines and focuses on all these other things. And you're like, ah, is this out of control? But we aren't out of control. The world is always going to be out of control, but we don't have to be out of control because we have Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. God is still on his throne too. Yes. yes. I, I love that. That um, Lego analogy. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's uh, perfect. Thank you. But, and you know, and you mentioned hope. And and the fact that 
we could. We could let all of this just overtake us, right? Depress us and cause anxiety. Although, as the Bible says, God didn't give us a, a spirit of fear. He gave us a, a, a spirit sound of mind. sound mind, you know, yeah. power and a sound mind. And so we have to we have to cling to that. And, and remember, and so whenever you see that rainbow, yeah, that rainbow is everywhere. It's being misused or you could say abused. It's still God's rainbow. Yeah. No matter who tries to use it for what. And because as we know, and I, I, it's funny, I didn't realize this. Maybe it was a couple of years ago in reading the scriptures in Genesis chapter nine, where God brought the rainbow out for Noah and the family. And he was talking about his covenant with Noah and all flesh that he would never again flood the earth with water. Okay. He, there would, Never be another be never be huh, another worldwide flood. So, but God said that He would remember His covenant whenever there was a rainbow in the sky. And I I thought, wow, when there's a rainbow, God is remembering. Uh, you know, so what a what a sign of God's mercy, of His patience, and of His grace. So when you see that rainbow, and teach your kids this when they when they see that rainbow, I don't care if it's plastered on a a uh, uh, pro LGBTQ shirt or a transgender shirt, smile. Remember the hope of God. Remember his mercy, his, his, his glory, his patience and his grace with us as sinners. Because, you know, the fact that he has placed the rainbow in the sky to remember should tell us something that God is still angry. He's angry with sin. Mm. And you and I know how he is going to judge the world once again. It won't be by water. It will be by fire. Um, So, you know, thank him for his mercy. Yeah. (laughs) Because we, unfortunately, this culture is really poking holes in his dam of grace there. Um, You know, but um, yeah, just, just think positive when you see it because God hasn't changed what the rainbow means hasn't changed no matter what someone may say it is. Absolutely. It's still the same. So don't, don't let that upset you smile when you see the rainbow and celebrate and give God thanks. Absolutely. That's awesome. Thanks for saying that. Um, Okay. So I like closing out with, you know, kind of a, a parenting question. Mm -hmm. So what are your top values you want to encourage other mamas listening to make sure we are passing down to our next generation? Because you are not only a mama, but uh, do they call you Nana? They call me Nana. It's funny. My my one granddaughter one day was says, can I, I'm going to call you grandma today. I said, oh, okay, Natalie, sure. Well, she kept purposely saying, you know, so she could say the word grandma. She said, hey, grandma, grandma. And all of a sudden I was like, I said to myself, I don't like being called grandma, <laughs> you know, because before the kids, the first grandchild came, I was like, what do you want to be called? I'm like, I don't know. They can call me whatever. Grandma's fine, but I'm kind of glad they don't. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I realized I didn't like it. But anyway, yes. Um, for parents, you know, I think there's, there's three things that they're key for me. And, and some of the reasons that they're really key is because <clears throat> I'm going to be transparent here. When my children were growing up and when they were young, when they were moldable and like sponges, I was not where I should have been in my walk with Christ. Honestly, I was Christian and in, in pretty much in name only. And so our kids were taught the bare minimum about God. Oh, yeah, we had the family. We had prayers. You know, they did their little children's Bible. We read them, you know, sure. um, they say that the little prayers, you know, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him. You know, let us thank him for our food, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. But never really, they didn't see mom and dad digging into the Bible. Yeah. They didn't really see mom and, I mean, true, true, heartfelt prayers to God. There was just so much they didn't get um, until I, you know, got my, my, uh, the light turned on later. But by then they were teenagers, except for my youngest, you know. And um, so, yeah, there's, there's things I missed out on opportunities Mm -hmm. for it. But I can tell you this, that the first thing for me is a healthy and proper fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's good. Right now, Jesus 
is not Jesus in the culture. He's, well, as your brother has so rightfully penned a book, mm-hmm. he's a woke Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's a little that's a little promo for Lucas Miles, Hannah's brother. <laughs> um, and I can't wait to get my hands on the book. A wo- there's a woke Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he's a Jesus who, if you could pick, draw him in a picture of the way the world describes him, he's wearing a robe. He's kind of like a hippie flower child donning peace symbols and love mm-hmm. skipping merrily down the road. OK, Jesus is holy. Jesus is um, God you know, in the flesh. And um, he is, he is the embodiment of love, of course, but he also demanded something of people and that was repentance and belief in him. So a healthy and proper fear of the Lord. And then number two, I would have to say the ability to to biblically deconstruct the lies of a godless culture. Oh yeah. And I, right. I had mentioned earlier apologetics, Mm -hmm. learn apologetics, mom and dad, teach your kids apologetics. Um, they say you can't argue someone into faith. I would beg to differ. Lee Strobel, I think, was argued into faith. He sought to disprove God, and he ended up becoming a believer. And look at the influence he's had on people, you know, years later. But um, they need to know why they believe what they believe, because yeah. the lies out there, and especially when it comes to, and, and I don't know if I said this before, Can I, I'll say it in a minute. So yes, there's that. And then number three is a love and compassion for their fellow human being. We talked about this earlier, but here's the important part. While maintaining the proper hatred of sin, you don't need to affirm someone in their sin to love them. Matter of fact, you're hating them when you do. You're helping them to live a lie out of fear for your own comfort and security. And that's cruel. That is hateful. Um, so yeah, though, those to me are, are three things, but because I just, I guess I want to address this because I hear this so much, if I may, well, why are you harping on homosexuality? Sin is sin. Well, um, there is sexual immorality. First of all, heterosexual or homosexual, the Bible warns us to flee from it, mm-hmm. to get as far away from it as quickly as we can. That sin in particular, because it says you're not just sinning against God, you're sinning against your own body yeah. and against the person that you are in, in, you know, indulging in sexual immorality with. Okay. Mm-hmm. But um, LGBT is really, unfortunately, it's being fought in the civil rights arena. Mm-hmm. It is stripping churches and Christians and people of their freedoms, yeah. of, their, of their rights. In, in so many ways, it's, it's, you know, everything seems to be behind, behind that. So, you know, and sins are different in, in my opinion. The sin of worry isn't equal to the sin of sexual immorality. I don't think shoplifting is equal to the sin of murder. Yes, they're both sinful, they're harmful, but I don't think that you can just, you know, obviously the sentence for murder and shoplifting are two very different things. Why? Because one's a more serious crime than the other. But um, the, the LGBTQ movement is especially troublesome for me because it's a movement that will not be satisfied until Christians and the church are silenced. Yeah. That's why this is huge. Yeah. And it is tearing apart churches. It's tearing apart families and God's design for a healthy, thriving, productive society, society as a whole. That is why. Yeah. It's that coming with an agenda to deal. destroy. Yeah. Yes. 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 So. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for being so bold enough to talk through that and address such a heavy weighted topic. Um, I've just been looking forward to this talk with you for a really long time and really thankful that we finally got to have it together. And I know I will be having you back, hopefully in season two, to talk some more and and I'm having you because I want you to share your podcast. Oh, on yeah, absolutely. One little candle because you are definitely and one little candle is about being right, being that light in the darkness. And you are doing that, Hannah. Thank you so, so very much. I'm so glad our paths crossed. It was definitely appointed. Yeah. Um, it's a sovereign God thing. And I'm so grateful for it, um, for you being that one little candle because moms and dads, you don't need a, a degree in theology. I don't have one. <laughs> you know, I didn't, neither. Know, 
yeah, I know I don't have a master's in divinity. I don't have these things. Just a love for God's truth, um, a love for God, and and the desire and the privilege to be able to to speak it. Um, you know, in my corner of the world, you don't have to be anyone or anything special to to share God's truth. And that one light that you make, starting in our homes, um, if you if we have enough people. Being that one candle, the, the Bible calls this a candle in King James Version, um, as we're the light of the world. When you join, when you all those candles come together, what a great light that yeah. dispels the darkness. But just remember, even your one flame can, in fact, dispel the darkness. Light a candle in a dark room and see what I mean. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. And I will put all of Rebecca's. Um, contacts and all of her links to her ebooks and her podcasts and her website and all of her amazing resources that you guys have to check out. I will put that in our show notes so that you can have direct links to all of those things. Such a good conversation. There's a lot of a lot of truth telling, a lot of life giving. So thank you again, Rebecca, for being on the Treehouse Storyteller podcast. And I just, I always enjoy talking to you and I'm excited for listeners to check out all of your amazing stuff. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Hannah. God bless you. You as well. Wait, before you go, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and follow us on Facebook or Instagram at the Treehouse Storyteller so we can stay connected. Head on over to thetreehousestoryteller.com for more products, artwork, photography, and encouragement. See you next time.